0: I don't know about you. I I suspect you're in a similar boat. Um, Growing up, we we had a few Christmas traditions that we always did every year. Um, And actually, if we failed to do them, it was it was chaotic in our house. We we had to do these. We had to do them right. Um, And there was quite quite a few of them. One of them was one that my parents. I think they figured this out as a matter of practicality more than anything. You know, it only took them a couple of times of us waking up at 4 in the morning to realize that something different needed to happen. And so they started going to the midnight service. That's right. They would keep me and my two siblings awake. We would go to church at 11 o'clock. We would often fall asleep, and they would wake us back up, and we would get home. And so by 1 a.m. we were in bed, and usually that at least kept us asleep until 7 if they were lucky, and um, that quickly developed into tradition, but it certainly one out of practicality, um, if nothing else. But a second one was this, and th- this one was a struggle for me when I was a child, because here's what we would do. We get up on Christmas morning, and my, my parents, and, and I love them to death, they, they always wanted to capture a picture of us the very second that we saw our presence, very second. They wanted that, that instant right there. And, and so if you flip through some of our picture albums, you can see every year for 15 years or however long of us, um, the, the instant we we took we saw our presence. And the way they did this was they closed the living room door. And so the place where the tree was and the presence, they closed that door and they lined the three of us up outside the door. And so we're staring at, at this blank door. My dad would go around to the other side. I, I swear he did this to torture us. He would make a pot of coffee. <laughs> he would play with his camera to make sure it was just right. He'd put on some Christmas music. He'd wait till the coffee finished. And he'd get a cup of coffee and mix it up just right. And we're, we're sitting there and we're thinking, what in the world is going on? We want to get through this door. It was this sort of endless waiting um, for Christmas morning, waiting for our presents. Maybe another illustration will resonate with some of y'all. C.S. Lewis, um, a fabulous author, one of my favorites, wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And do y'all remember, I'm going to see if y'all know this. This is a quiz. What was, who was the sign that winter was ending in Narnia? Who was it? Fat guy, red suit, maybe coming tonight. What was it? Who was it? Santa Claus. Do y'all remember St. Nicholas, he came and he, he gave the children the gifts and, and the sign that the that, that, that winter in Narnia was coming to an end, um, one of which, I mean, the snow was melting, but also was, Santa was coming. And here's what was happening. Why was that the sign? Well, earlier on in the novel, we read that the white witch has taken over the world and it's always winter, but never winter. Christmas, always winter, but never Christmas, this sort of interminable waiting for something more, waiting for something bigger, waiting for that door to open to get into those presents, waiting for the snow to melt, waiting for Aslan to be on the move, if you will. And so we have these shepherds, and they knew what it was like um, to wait they're out there on the hills in Judea, and they're, they're watching their sheep, um, and, 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 and frankly, they're waiting. I, I wonder sometimes, what were they talking about on this first Christmas night? What, what was going through their minds? What was their discussions? Perhaps it was, um, like many of us from time to time, perhaps they were talking about politics. You know, there's this crazy census that the, the, the emperor of the Roman Empire wants to know how many people he has, and so everybody's going to be counted, right? And now what Joseph and Mary were doing, going to Bethlehem to be counted. And I can see those shepherds debating it. Why does he want to count us? Well, he just wants to know how great he is. He wants to know how many people he has. And the other one's like, no, no. He wants more taxes. He needs to know how many people he has so he can tax us more money and take more of our money. And we're going to have to stay out here and watch these sheep. And all our money is going to the government. And, And can't you see them bantering about this? And then one of them says, when will this all end? When will this end? What about those promises of God that said we would be our own people, that we would be our own nation, that we would be holy, that we would have a ruler, that we would have a Messiah, that we would bring glory to all the world? What about that? And here we are being taxed by these Romans. And before that being taxed by those Greeks. And before that being taxed by those Persians. And before that being taxed by those Babylonians. What about all those promises of God? We haven't heard from Him in 400 years. It's like winter, but never Christmas. They certainly remembered the prophecy that we read tonight about Isaiah. Unto us will be born a child, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Almighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, where is he? This is the, the world of the shepherds is this interminable waiting for God to break through and make good on his promises. And then what happens on that fateful night? Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 12. They're sitting out there. I like to think they're talking politics and wondering about where God is. And this is what, this is what they hear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Do you understand this? This is the message that the nation of Israel has been waiting and waiting for years to hear. And here it is. This very day, a Savior is born who is Christ the Lord. Those shepherds could see the end of their endless winter. They could see the opening of the door, the Savior that was there for them. What do they do? They get up and they go to Bethlehem. They want to see about this thing that the angels have told them. Can you resonate with that? Does that hit you? That endless waiting? This is Christmas Eve, and this is a time of great celebration and joy, but I, I want you to do this for me tonight, okay? Just close your eyes. And search your heart. Don't fall asleep. <laughs> and find where is that endless winter in your heart? That place where you cannot see the end, where you cannot see the snow melting, where the door is closed in your face. Where is that? Is it a secret sin? Is it something in your life that you do and you do it over and over again and you want to stop and you just can't and you know it is killing you? What is it? Where is that place in your heart that leads you to despair, to hopelessness, fear? Where is that? Maybe you have parents who are are dying or have recently died. Maybe you've been abandoned or afraid you will be abandoned. Maybe you've abandoned somebody else. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Maybe it seems like there is no help for you. Are you in a midlife crisis? you look back on your life and think, I did not plan to end up where I am right now? Illness, finances, we've all got something. What is it? Maybe you look at this world and you despair. You think about tragedy 10 days ago in Connecticut. We all have a place place of an endless winter. Now listen to me and listen carefully. That place is on a hill outside of Bethlehem and that place that seems so dark has a light shining in it. John's gospel says that the lightness Shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. For unto you is born this day a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Jesus Christ. He's come to set you free from that. From that sin, from that despair, from that hopelessness. He's here. He's here tonight, and He's offering you something that maybe you don't have, or maybe you need to grab hold of again. New life. Do you need that? You can open your eyes if you want to. Now, the salvation of Jesus, um, it's not magic. It's not like the shepherds went and saw the baby and said, wow, and then had a really easy life. It's not like this child himself had an easy life. What did Jesus do? How did he bring us this salvation? Well, the shepherds were expecting some great warrior, somebody who would come in and and drive out the Romans and, and raise up an earthly kingdom. This Messiah, this Messiah that they saw lying in a manger, he was a carpenter. He lived 33 years and he died. Not leading an insurrection, he died on a cross, the most humiliating death one could possibly imagine. But he died for our salvation, that we might have new life, new life in Jesus Christ. That, that the sins of our life would be forgiven, that the hope and despair in our lives, uh, not the hope, for the despair and the, the sadness in our lives would be destroyed, that we would have a new hope, a hope of one day having eternal life, a hope of one day of this creation that seems so messed up sometimes that it will be restored, that there be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more sadness. That's, this baby came for that. And that offer is here for you tonight, new life in Jesus Christ. It's not easy. It's not like waving a magic wand and your life is going to be perfect, but it's a a start. Knowing him is a start, and the more you know him, the more hope you have. You realize that there's something more. There's something more than what you're experiencing right now. Even all this great Christmas, the great parties and the wonderful family and friends, that's all wonderful, but that's just a preview, guys. That's just a tiny little preview of an eternity like that. That's on the table tonight. It was on the table for the shepherds. What did they do? Well, they, they went home telling everybody about this child they met. They went home praising God and glorifying God. What are you going to do when you go home tonight? Is it going to be same old, same old? Leave Christmas here in church and go home and do um, whatever it is you're doing? Or is it going to be different? Is it going to be new, new life in Jesus Christ? Because um, I'm going to finish with this. This message that we hear tonight, this good news that the angels proclaim, um, this, this Savior who is born to us, this is not something that we can be indifferent about. We cannot be indifferent about this. It is either the most important thing you will ever hear, or it's lunacy. It's either the most important thing you'll ever hear or it's lunacy, but it cannot be interesting. It cannot be just interesting. It either is going to change your life or you need to dismiss it, but you can't just say, well, that's really neat. That's not an option. He's either the king and savior of the world or he's insane. And you've got to make that decision at some point. The shepherds had to make that decision. They're sitting there, they're wondering, when will this end? And they look at a baby and they say, it's ending now. And they go home praising God and glorifying God. And we're here tonight and we're looking at the same child. And you're looking at your life. Are you ready for him? Have you received him? Do you need to receive him again? This Jesus Christ, who is Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we don't live in an endless winter. The spring is right around the corner. New life, new birth, new hope. I pray, Lord, that you would touch our hearts tonight, meet us, show us that hope in those places of despair, that healing in those places of hurt. Show us your salvation. I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be touched to receive you, whether it's the first time or the 100th time. We lift this most holy of nights up to you and pray that you would meet us here in it. In your name we pray. Amen.